0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 160th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
1: From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. 53 North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play goes back to Michael Jordan jumper from out on the left good. Fred Brown looking right oh, way to Worthy. Worthy five. The Star Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical, out foul. Of timeout, technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of Timeout, and the party is ready to begin
0: on Franklin Street.
1: Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot, that's it! The Tar Heels are the national Gagum champions. champion! Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three, got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnata. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight. We're roughly about an hour or so uh, past Carolina getting their second win of the season as they used a big second half to take down the College of Charleston, 182 286 to improve to 2-0 on the year. The Tar Heels overcame a 7-point halftime deficit. They outscored Charleston 59-36 in the second half. They shot 19-21. of 21 from two-point territory, they shot 71% overall in the second half in a game that was quite evident or, or, or very similar to the game we saw against Charleston last year just in their building where Carolina weathered a, a, a team that was a, a, a very hot shooting team in the first half, and in the second half, Carolina's size and length really paid the difference as they were able to beat them up in the boards in the second half but buddy this was a game that um you know charleston charleston's a good team the uh, pat kelsey is one of if not the best mid-major coach in college basketball he's he he built a a big time program you know a, a great program at winthrop and he's well on his way to doing the same thing down there at charleston but for the second consecutive game, especially for the first 20 minutes or so, Carolina allowed the opponent to dictate You know the way the game was going to be played. They allowed the opponent to be more aggressive on both ends of the court. And I think that's something that, as well as Carolina played in the second half, and we'll definitely talk about that, this time of the year is really where you start to send, you know, or you really start to set your, your trends and find out who you are as a basketball team. And I think we're learning with Carolina at least through two games that they're a team that they're going to start slow and it takes them, you know, maybe eight, 12, 16 minutes to get going. And, And at some point, I don't know how long that, that's a good recipe for success because the level of competition does step up once this team goes out west uh, starting next weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that you, you have to be – you definitely have to start games a lot quicker, um, especially when you do get into that PK-85 tournament. Uh It doesn't really get any easier after that when you've got the Jumpman uh, Invitational, you've got the – um the, the CBS Sports Classic as well. You've got a matchup where you have to go uh, to Indiana, a place where you've struggled. So, those types of games, yeah, they, you don't want to see this same recipe uh, that Carolina has implored to this point. You know, the weird thing for me out of the gate, and I think, you know, they turned it on a little bit in that second half against Wilmington, but they never really felt like they got comfortable in that game, even tonight in the second half. I didn't really think Carolina got comfortable until the final five minutes of the second half. And look, maybe that was what this team needed. Maybe that's going to shift everything. And this Carolina team is going to be a much more confident unit. But so, you know, so far through the first three and a half, maybe even a little bit more than that, halves of the season, this looked like a team that is really... To playing not to lose. They're playing with a lot of pressure of being the number one team. And, look, I, I, I was somebody that thought that this team was ready to handle that pressure. Um, I, I mean, they're 2-0. and And, I, you know, again, I think especially tonight, you know, the College of Charleston is a legitimate uh, mid-major program. Um, They've mentioned the stat that you mentioned about them when we were previewing this game on the broadcast tonight, this this team, it, it, they recruited the best class of all mid-majors this past year. Um, they have two four-stars that, are, that, that committed to them. Pat Kelsey knows what he's doing. But at the same time, you know, you would have liked to see Carolina be able to, you know, sort of take away some of the strengths that we knew – Charles, cut the College of Charleston had coming into this game. Um in that first half... Carolina really looked out of sorts. Um, They were getting beat off the bounce. And, I mean, that even continued into the second half. But especially in the first half, it was a huge issue. It kind of set everything up for Charleston uh, to to, to be able to move the ball the way that they wanted to and eventually get open looks. Carolina was not great switching off of screens, and they were not good closing out on the basketball. Um, So I I, I think – You know, there's some some obvious things here that it feels like Carolina has to get better at. But at the same time, I thought the most encouraging part of this game was that when Carolina needed to turn it on late, when it mattered the most, Carolina found a way to get the stops that they needed to, combine with the baskets on the other end, create some turnovers. And ultimately, that's the biggest thing at the end of the day. Even if it's not pretty if this team finds a way to win every game that they are supposed to in the non-conference and you know can win a few of those other games that we've talked about I don't feel like people are going to look back on it, especially if this team goes on to have a great run in conference play and then, you know, potentially gets to where we hope they can get, which is at least the final four in the tournament. And we'll say, well, they didn't really dominate the first few opponents out of the gate. But there are some things that are definitely, uh, you know, concerning from what we've seen in these first two games. And there are trends that you want to see change. I'm not panicking yet. I think the best point to evaluate this team will be after that four-game mark, after the game against James Madison, right before they head out uh, to the West Coast to uh, to Oregon to play uh, in that PK-85 tournament. But the, so far, I mean, there, there are some things that, you know, are, are certainly notable with this team.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Hubert Davis said on Monday he thought his team played nervous and anxious and I think that that we should have expected that. This team is, is 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 it's a different team. You do have four starters back, but the one guy that you're missing was a big part of what you did a year ago, so you're having to, you know, create new chemistry while trying to recreate the same magic and the same rhythm you had, you know, the last 6 weeks of last season. And so you know, Monday I, it was it was somewhat understandable. I thought tonight it was just simply really a a lack of they 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 did not be they they did not look prepared to play uh, de- uh, defensively. You allowed Charleston to pretty much beat you to the they got to their spots. They took good shot after good shot. They beat you on the offensive glass. You were basically in the game because of the pace. And again, that was more dictated by the College of Charleston. We, you know, we talked about coming in that care that 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 Charleston was going to come in here, and they weren't going to be afraid to run with Carolina, and they weren't. And and that was it. it helped get Carolina's offense in some sort of a rhythm because it definitely wasn't the other night, but you know so i do think this team is still just learning how to play with the weight and the expectations you know that that they really put upon themselves when they all decided to come back to get back to the final four win the national championship they're try, they're, they're kind of learning you know the hard way kind of like the 2015 2016 team did if we remember that team didn't come out of the year you know guns blazing they lost on the road at northern iowa i be it without You know, Marcus Page, but, you know, the last couple of times Carolina had entered the season, preseason ranked number one back in 2012, you had a group that had been around for a little bit. And then, of course, that 2008, 2009 team, well, they'd been together for three years. And it was really more just about, you know, getting the job done as opposed to, you know, having to recreate a chemistry, recreate, you know, all the things that they had done in previous. Tournaments. Let's take a look at the box score, and kind of like the one we had on Monday night, this one's a little bit wonky. Carolina shot 60% from the field. They were 35 of 58. Charleston was really high as well. They shot 49%. They were 36 of 73. They took 15 more shots than Carolina did. Both teams struggling to shoot from beyond the arc. Carolina just 5 of 20. So the Tar Heels are just 7 of 30 from behind the three-point line to start the season. Meanwhile, Charleston was 8 of 24, so 33%, nothing too crazy. This was really where Carolina kind of kept themselves in the game and really wore down Charleston in the second half was at the foul line. Carolina was 27 of 38. They missed 11 foul shots tonight. Um. As 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 Caleb Love was eight from eleven from the stripe, and Armando Baycott was eight from twelve. Conversely, College of Charleston was just six of nine from the from the charity stripe. Just eight turnovers for Carolina, which Charleston turned into ten points. Meanwhile, Charleston had fourteen turnovers, and Carolina turned those into twenty four points. Another. Another disappointing rebounding effort for Carolina. They got out. They got out rebounded again for the game, thirty-five to thirty-two, including fifteen to eight on the offensive glass. Uh, but Charleston only scored fifteen points off of their fifteen offensive rebounds. Meanwhile, for the Tar Heels, they had seventeen second chance points off their eight offensive rebounds. Charleston's bench outscored Carolina's bench. 55 to 16 carolina did edge them in the points in the paint with 50 to 48 Did outscore them in the fast break 19 to 6 they had eight blocks compared to charleston's one Carolina was six deals compared to charleston's five Carolina had 14 assists on 35 made baskets Charleston had 10 assists on their 36 made baskets the game was tied uh, ten different times, there were nine different lead changes. The Tar Heels led for eighteen minutes and fifteen seconds, and Charleston led for eighteen minutes and two seconds. And so, with this, uh, this, this the, the, you know, this type of game where Carolina didn't play great in the first half, and they played really well at stretches in the second half, and a box score that, you know, if, if you really, you know, dug into it, you would probably think that box score outside of Carolina's shooting percentage would allow you to believe that that Charleston won the game, but that simply did not happen. So that led me to be really curious to hear kind of the tone from Hubert Davis in his postgame press uh, or or in his postgame conversation with Jones Angel. And I don't really have a quote for tonight. I just have a summary of this was a guy that I think – I think he is aware that his team has probably a lot more work to do than he probably initially thought uh, coming into the season, especially at this point in the year when you're playing mid-major opponents. He said, we have to learn how to play while getting opponents' best shots night in, night out. You know, Roy Williams always talked about coming out with a sense of urgency. It's it's very evident that the Carolina has lacked that sense of urgency right now uh to to, to start the season. And Hubert Davis is trying to nip that in the butt. And he was really disappointed in the rebounding effort. Kind of like he was the other night, where well, yes, you've got to you've got to credit your opponent because they did have to do certain things well to get, you know to to out rebound you, but rebounding and a lot of times like defense, it comes down to effort. Yeah, there are techniques that you get taught, but it's really more about you know just go get the basketball. And you, you know there were just a handful of times tonight where Carolina would get would get the initial stop, they would. Have the guy boxed out, but instead of going to get the ball, they would just look at the ball, and uh, that's that's really frustrating. Armando Baycott through two games has you know has yet to record a double double, which I think has kind of got us all by surprise. Uh, Carolina's leading leading rebounder tonight was Caleb Love with nine, as he set a new career high. So uh, a a, a, a Hubert Davis that was. You know, happy with what his team did in the second half, but does understand and realize his squad has some work to do. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And I went with the one that's the most important because if Carolina doesn't score 59 points in the second half, I don't know if they win the basketball game or not. So the stat of the game is their 59 second half points with some bylines of they shot 71% from the field overall in the second half and they were nineteen of twenty one in the second in, in in the second period. A big reason why they got the ball to big man Armando Bacon and they just feasted. And I guess, Anthony, the thing about it is we knew coming into the game that Carolina had this, you know, this size and height advantage, you know, on the interior to begin with. Why did we not see an offensive game plan that was more, you know, privy to get the ball into the painted area, whether it's with your guards driving or with your your big men and Armando Bacot and Pete Nance because I feel like had that been the game plan from the start, Carolina wouldn't have found itself in a halftime deficit and would have maybe won the game a lot more comfortably than they
1: did. I think, honestly, it's it's kind of the same question that we were asking ourselves the other night. And I get it that UNC Wilmington, definitely a little bit bigger, uh, plays uh, more similar to how Carolina plays. But it, it is kind of weird. Yeah, I, I don't really understand why the game plan isn't to get it inside. And to be honest with you, it, you almost kind of wonder if it is the game plan and guys are just kind of going off script um, because early – I thought there were plenty of moments where you just, you kind of were left scratching your head as to why Carolina was taking certain jump shots. Um, You know, I know there were times where Carolina was able to get out on the fast break and were able to get some easy buckets inside. Um, And, and I, I thought, you know, at times they they tried to get the ball inside, but then it would immediately go back outside. So, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, especially as you mentioned, with how small this team is. I really thought that the game plan from Carolina would be to go directly after this team and try to expose them inside. And in the second half, they did. And you saw how much of a difference it made, especially down the stretch. So I, I think Carolina's just got to kind of admit to themselves that look, this is the strength of our team. I, I know we've got guys on the you know we, we've got a point guard duo that, as we discussed, you know before the season started, we thought we we think is the best in college basketball. But at the same time, you just have to honestly. Admit to yourself that, look, when we're at our best, we're we're getting the ball into the post and we're going to work. And the thing is, is you're th- this is the time when you should be taking advantage of that. You should be able to take advantage of some of these teams with their size, because a lot of these teams are going to be smaller than you. A lot of these teams should not be more physical than you. When you get into conference play, and even when you get to the stretch of at of the non-conference that is coming up, uh, starting you know about a week from now, I, I mean it's it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy it's not going to be even as easy as it was at times tonight so that's the thing that I think probably has people concerned and, and and more than anything I think the rebounding is just it that that's that's the thing that is driving a lot of people insane and rightfully so because it's two games in a row now that you've not only been out rebounded but You've just been dominated. I, I, I mean, you you have a a plus nine margin on the glass in terms of your defensive rebounds to the other team's offensive rebounds. Like that's insane. Usually, plus nine is the overall difference in a, a game for Carolina, and that's a that's usually on a slow night. But this is back-to-back games now that you've allowed 15-plus offensive rebounds. And, and you know, we mentioned this is a smaller team. And I, I know they said on the broadcast, look, one of the things that Pat Kelsey really values is everybody on his team rebounding at a high level, especially on the offensive glass. But I mean, you're you're not seeing the dominance that we saw at times last year from Armando Bacon. Um, You're you're just you're not seeing a guy right now in Pete Nance that can really do anything on the glass. He had one rebound the entire night, and that's the thing that I think. If if you're looking for something that should be concerning you the most about this team right now, it is the rebounding. It's it's something that. You know, if you if you look at what Carolina has done historically, maybe you feel like you shouldn't be worried about it. But this team right now does not even look remotely interested at times in rebounding the basketball. And that's that's scary to me.
0: Yeah, I think it is something that we will have to monitor. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. and we come back, more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 102-86 win over the College of Charleston.
1: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. ba da ba NFL Sundays are only getting better,
0: and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they do, check this out. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same game parlay and continue multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. So whether you're betting the upcoming Panther game, if you're me, you know, as, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, my co-host is a New York Giants fan, you can do all this and more at DraftKings Sportsbook. With bigger payouts, bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have taken... Great advantage. I've been giving you on the four corners uh, side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And uh, we're, let's let's continue to break this one down. I do want to talk first off about Armando Baycott because, you know, at halftime he had one point and one rebound. And um, I, I was frustrated by that. I know you were frustrated by that. You put out a tweet um, saying that it was kind of frankly – you know, unacceptable. But in the second half, he had twenty-seven points and and was really the focal point for Carolina's offensive attack. A big reason why they shot nineteen of twenty-one from the foul line. And you know, I, I think it was just something about the big man just needed to get his his footing back underneath him. You know, figuring out you know to, to get his spots on the on the floor. But I thought the thing he did. The best he did, you know, in, in in quite some time. If you date back to last year, he finished through some contact, and that's something where when we really looked at him and say, "Hey, how can a guy that you know had thirty one double doubles a year ago how can he how can he get better?" And the one thing we everyone said, whether it was myself, yourself, I had Brennan Marks on and asked him this question. Same thing for Josh Graham; they both said he's got to be a better finisher at the rim. And I thought tonight you got the best version of that where he was – you know, he was initiating the contact, he was inviting the contact, but then he was tough enough to, to finish through it, go to the foul line. An 8 of 12 for him, that's 75%. That's a lot better than where he was at the other night going 6 for 11. Tonight was a night where Armando Baycott looked the part of what we believe is the best big man in college basketball. And as you can imagine, a mid-major opponent like like the College of Charleston just had no answer for him in that second period.
1: Yeah, and I think there were definitely some people that were concerned about the way that he was playing in the first half. And, uh, you know, I I was definitely one that was, I wouldn't say concerned, really more irritated with the fact that Carolina wasn't able to take advantage of this team inside early on. Um, not happy about the fact that he only had one field goal attempt to that point. I think, you know, part of that is the guys on the floor maybe weren't getting him the ball in the right positions for him to be able to go to work. But I think the other part of it was that um, he wasn't demanding the ball enough. And when he did, um, you know, he, he had an offensive foul. He was just out of sorts, but that second half was massive. 27 points. Is that what, ultimately gets him sort of started this season because remember last year it it took him a little bit especially when it came to the offensive end of the floor to sort of get himself going it wasn't like he was automatically just dominant out of the gate so I I think this could be what what sort of gets him going And, and that's kind of what you want to see from him you know, when, when it comes to this team, again, I, I said it a little while ago that, you know, you've got a dominant backcourt. You've got two guys that are about as highly respected as any backcourt in college basketball right now. But when you are at your best, it is when Armando Baycott is leading the way and when he is playing uh, at the level of a guy that we, uh, you know, as I said, Heading into the season, thought was the clear favorite to win the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award. This dude, it, it, he fits everything about a guy that would be a national player of the year with the way that he played uh, for the majority of last season. So I think, you know, Carolina down the stretch of this game figured out look, lean on Armando Baycott. There's other guys that are going to be able to help you out too. But ultimately, if you need a basket, give it to Armando and let this dude go to work. And that's a game plan that especially against some of these mid-majors that you have coming up. And even once you face some of these tougher teams, needs to be the plan if Carolina wants to have the level of offensive success that they were able to have tonight.
0: Yeah, and look, this is a guy that, you know, his life was made really easy last year when once they figured out how to play with Brady Manick – You've got two dynamic uh, guards in the backcourt that are looking to be more, you know, assertive in the passing game. But they they're 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 guys that want to put the ball in the basket, and so it is going to take some time for Baycott to learn how to play with Pete Nance. But they had a they had a couple of, of good high low looks tonight, and I do think you will see that start to evolve. As I do think, you know, Armando Baycott will be the focal point of this offense, you know, as the season moves along. Let's talk about Carolina's defense because I think we came away the other night really impressed, and then there was reasons to be, you know, impressed because you held a team to 56 points. You held a team to under 30% shooting. Um, I, I think part of that is that UNC Wilmington is not as good of a, as an offensive unit as the College of Charleston is. Um, But I also felt like, and this is even with Carolina holding Charleston's leading uh, scorer, uh, Rain Smith, to just three points, I just didn't like Carolina's attitude tonight on the defensive end of the court. And I think Hubert Davis didn't like the attitude either because he substituted Seth Trimble into the game very quickly, and that that didn't really seem to, to really change anything. I just thought it was too easy for Charleston in the first half. And and I still thought for the second half, they got really good looks at the basket. They just didn't make them. And then Carolina really started clamping down and started forcing more turnovers more than anything to kind of take them out of their rhythm. What did did you think of what you saw from Carolina uh, tonight defensively and – are are you starting to kind of second guess all the compliments you handed out in the season opening win on
1: Monday? No, no, no. I'm not at that point yet. Not not I mean I I thought you know part of the the compliments that we we gave this team was going back to what they did at the end of last year and it seemed like it was an extension and and them building upon it in the first game of the season. And look, maybe UNC Wilmington is just a horrendous shooting team. It's very possible. Also, I mean, it could just be first game of the year they struggled shooting from the field, whatever. But, I mean, look, this, this College of Charleston team last year shot the lights out against Carolina. It seems like whenever they've played Carolina, they have had a lot of success shooting the basketball. So, I mean, look, that first half, Look, I know Carolina could have done a lot of things better. I thought, as I mentioned, they were rotating slowly. I thought that, you know, switches were an issue. They couldn't really stop the ball. And... I, I thought that resulted in what you saw. Now the other part of that is, I thought there were times where Carolina was in good position. I thought they closed out about as well as you could without fouling, and there were still times where guys just simply made shots. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it yet. Um, I, I think it would have to. You, this would have to be something that extends. You know on further and, and who knows, you know, again, we saw it last year. There was a time where Carolina defensively uh, was one of the worst teams in the country. Um, So, I mean, is it possible? Oh, there's no doubt about that. But I also think that it's, you, you, you've seen in both of these games, really um, Carolina has adjusted defensively because early in that game against UNC Wilmington, I thought there were some times where, they got you know out of sorts on a couple of switches it gave them some open looks now the eagle the the uh the, uh the seahawks weren't able to knock it down um tonight the cougars were able to knock down those shots so that was the difference but i think in both games primarily you know and unfortunately for carolina i think it took a little bit longer tonight but primarily in that second half carolina really w- was able to take away what charleston wanted to do especially late in the game they created some extremely important turnovers down the stretch that's the biggest thing carolina in the second half created 11 turnovers and they had 19 points off those 11 turnovers so that that was massive and and really the difference in the game so when they needed to step up on the defensive end of the floor they did and that's i think the biggest thing that you have to take away but Here's the thing. Ultimately, across the board, when it comes to anything that we talk about tonight, even the rebounding, as frustrated as we are, and and, and that's the one thing that I'm I'm kind of looking at and saying mm, I'm feeling a little uneasy. That could th- th- it could turn around pretty quickly <laughs> for Carolina because it is the second game of the season, and you are not going to learn what this team is in the first two games of the year. Um, If we were learning what last year's team was just based off of the first two games of the year, they most certainly would not have been playing on the final Monday night of the season. Um, And, and, you know, I I found there was another, you know, somebody tweeted this out earlier, our guy, uh, our guy, Rob Guy three on Twitter, he tweeted out, look, you know, do do we really want Carolina to be playing their best basketball to be a flawless team in November? Because if they are, if they're playing their best basketball in November, that probably doesn't bode well for the end of the season. So I I think, you know, defensively, there were some things that were head-scratching at times tonight. But I thought for the most part, when they needed to really step up, I I thought – they, they did that at the end of the game.
0: I think the one thing you're seeing is that, you know, Pete Nance does provide some defensive flexibility that this team didn't have a year ago with Brady Manick. He can switch and really guard anyone, you know, from really the two through five and then hold his own. He's also a rim protector, something Carolina, you know, was asking Armando Baycott to be at times last year, but once Huber Davis went to the Iron Five, you simply couldn't ask him to to contest shots at the rim because you needed him to be on the court. And so, no, it, it's not that you want to see Carolina playing their best basketball in November. But for a team like them right now, what, what's, what's really important is setting your habits, your tendencies, and stuff like that. And I, I think it was just another uh another you know example that this team albeit with everything they have back and everything that they've added they've still got some growing to do on the defensive end of the core and another area they've got to they've they've got to probably look themselves in the mirror the most is to rebounding um they get out rebounded for the game 35 to 32. 15-8 to eight on the offensive glass. This makes it back-to-back games that the Tar Heels have been out-rebounded on the offensive glass by seven or more in back-to-back games for the first time since 2003-2004. And that was Roy Williams' first season with the program. And so it's it's been a long time since we've seen that type of number. And these are mid-major opponents. You're going to see teams in Portland that can rebound the ball, better than these two mid-majors. You're going to see a Michigan team that can rebound the ball better than these mid-majors. You're going to see an Indiana team. And, and so, you know, we kind of chalked it up to Monday night where it was just kind of more of a fluke thing than not where every bounce went, you know, UNCW's way. Every block shot fell right back into their lap. To me, that wasn't the case tonight. To me, the, the case was I don't think Carolina really committed to, to going to the glass they didn't in the first half. Um, and that's a big reason why Charleston really built a lead and really dominated everything, because they controlled the boards on both ends. In the second half, Carolina did a much better job, I thought, overall, but you know, on on, on, on the, the occasions where I thought our half court defense was really good and you were forcing Charleston to to take a tough shot and you and they take a tough shot and they miss a tough shot, well then you don't complete the possession by getting the defensive rebound and, and so I think that's got to be the most frustrating thing right now for Hubert Davis because you've got the best individual rebounder in the country in Armando Baycott you've added Pete Nance who is a guy who averaged you know five six rebounds for his time at Northwestern he had one rebound tonight I love seeing Caleb Love with nine boards I love seeing Leaky Black with five but the other guys really got to step in and or step up and, and really contribute because if, if if Carolina's gonna spend the season getting out rebounded, it's gonna make it a lot harder for this defense to be a top, you know, fifteen twenty defense nationally. And and, and history tells us if you go by Ken Palm ratings, teams that aren't in the top fifteen to twenty as a, as a defensive rated squad They don't usually get into the final four, let alone cut down the nets.
1: And it's just – it is mind-blowing. The other other night against UNC Wilmington was one thing. That's a team that is a physical team that got some size to them. Okay, you chalk that up to first game of the year, team that came in motivated, whatever. Don't let it happen again. Well – Carolina let it happen, and uh, again, and and it was to a team that really doesn't have great size, a team that got out-rebounded in their first game of the year. And yeah, again, set on the broadcast, scrappy group that likes to get offensive rebounds. That's fine. Getting a few offensive rebounds would be one thing, but you allowed 15 offensive rebounds in this game. That's two games so far this season. Uh, you know, t- you are two for two now, allowing 15 or more offensive rebounds in this game. And this was an area that last year was never really an issue. It was very rare that teams could get offensive rebounds on off you. You were a really, really good defensive rebounding team. And, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I am stunned – at the fact that this year's team, out of the gate, is not a better rebounding team than last year. Um, Pete Nance was a guy that, at Northwestern, I mean, he averaged a double-double last year. This dude was legit a, a really good rebounder. And that, I mean, tonight, yeah, one rebound in this game. I, that, to me, doesn't make any sense. And, and I look, Charleston clearly playing four around one that, that probably had some sort of effect, but their guys were chasing down every loose ball. And, you know, as you mentioned, Caleb love nine rebounds. You love to see that leaky at five. Yeah, not bad, but the problem is, is that when you've got a guy like Nance, that's struggling, you kind of need a guy like leaky to step up and probably produce even more than that. And then off the bench, you had just four rebounds total. So, I, I mean, it's it's just. And, and look, I get it. Puff not there yet. And to be honest with you, I don't know how long it's going to be before he plays. I mean, he is a guy that's not even dressing at this point. So, it, it, whatever this injury is that's that's lingering with him, this could be this could be a while before we see Puff again this year. Unfortunately, so. Carolina's got to find some solutions here. Remember last year, early in the year, they had a guy like Dawson Garcia that sort of gave Brady Manic and these guards time to settle in and find themselves as rebounders. You don't have that this year. Pete Nance right now is proving to not be the rebounder that Dawson Garcia was. I mean, hell, at this point, he's proving to not even be the, the, the rebounder that Brady Manic was. At times last year. So it's that that is the one thing that right now really has me concerned about this team. And I get it. It's two games in. They can turn things back in the right direction. But this is a team right now that just looks like they are simply getting beat to lose balls. Um, And it seems like a team that at times is just lost with what to do on the glass. And it's, it's not just the guys that, you know, are new or, you know, we're transferring in. I mean, six rebounds for Armando Baycott, like where is the dominant Armando on the glass that we saw for the majority of last year? I mean, from conference play on, this dude was cleaning the glass I mean, like he was a window washer in New York City. And now, I mean, there. The, the first two games of the year, there have been times where I have asked myself, you know, just looking, is he, is he even actually on the floor? Is that him? Because he's just, there is nothing that he can do. He seems powerless almost on the defensive end of the floor trying to rebound. Carolina, that, that, that's something that Hubert Davis has to address. I get it. It's it's you, you've escaped with two wins, and you're going to take that at this point of the season. This is a team playing with a lot of pressure. But that is one thing that Carolina as a program has hung their hat on for years, and they need to continue to hold that standard moving forward. I, I think it's gotta be addressed during this week of practice by Hubert that th- this is not acceptable right now.
0: I do want to end with some with with some positive thoughts. Leaky Black was absolutely sensational in this game. Um he was Carolina's offense in the first 10 minutes of the first half. He finished the game with 15 points. He was six of six from the field two of two from behind the three-point line. I mentioned the five rebounds, and, you know, this was a guy that the other night hunted his offense, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. But tonight he took the shots that were there for him to take, and he made them. And that's got to be what he does for this team this year. We know what he is as a defender. We know what he, he is as a, as a rebounder. We we don't need him to score every night, but there are nights like tonight where we need him to score, and he's gotta be able to do so and do so in an efficient manner. And then we we saw the Caleb Love tonight that that we I we we want to see more often. I thought, you know, he took one one bad shot, and that was a, a shot that was late in the shot clock. But he was, you know, 25 points, 8 of 17 from the field, and was only 1 of 9 from 3. So, you know, I think he did a really good job realizing that, hey, my my long shot isn't there. Let me get downhill and let me get to the rack where he was 8 of 11, you know, from the foul line, 9 rebounds, a new career high. Six assists to just one turnover, so a much better job at at, at, at at distributing the ball while not while not turning it over. And so I really thought, you know, those two dudes did a really good job carrying the backcourt for Carolina. While RJ Davis did score eleven points and was four of eight from the field, just a little bit more of a quiet quieter night for him. But you know, I, I think the thing is, is that you know. Carolina's got so many options, you know, with with Love and Davis and Leaky Black, that it's probably going to be like this, where they're just going to kind of take turns, you know, taking over the game. Also, want to shout out Tyler Nickel. He scored his first career points as a Tar Heel. He had eight points, was one of three from the field. He banged in his first three pointer. Five of six from the charity stripe. This was a guy that you know said, "Look, I can I can shoot the three point shot, but I want to be known more than that." And I thought he did a really good job tonight, putting the ball on the floor, getting to the getting to the rack, and either finishing or 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 drawing a foul, and going to the foul line. And, and I do think right him along with Seth Trimble, who played 11 minutes, and Tyler Nickel eight. They are two freshmen that are going to have a role on this team. I think the biggest takeaway. For the game overall tonight, is first off Carolina is two zero. You saw the offensive, you know the, the the type of offense you want to see from this team, given all the offensive firepower that we do have. But I think also kind of like how we felt on Monday night, where you know you 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 leave the game. And you, you know you've got some more work to do, but the best part about it is that when you watch when you watch the film, when you evaluate the film, when you go through with that final score, we'll read that you won a ball game, and ultimately, at the end of the day, that is what matters. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, but we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where... It's our busy time of the year with football and basketball in full swing. There's a lot of content for you to go check out. For the basketball side of things, go check out the recap of tonight's game, some more in-depth in depth stuff on some stats and the like. And before you know it, I'll be turning around and getting you ready for Tuesday's contest against Gardner-Webb. As for Tar Heel football, they are at Wake Forest tomorrow night. Anthony will have you ready with a preview and then following the game, there will be a recap, a stock report, a trench report, along with Ashton's analysis. And then if you don't want to read just previews and recaps, our newest writer, Graham Hastie, has got a feature article up on the site right now talking about why it is a fun time to be a Carolina fan, given you know the Tar Heel basketball team being ranked number one in the country and Carolina football closing in on a berth in the ACC championship game. So that's it for the website. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review to the podcast. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show during the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Do you want to thank my co-host, Anthony? for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels
1: ding dong duke is done carolina is gonna go to the national championship duke season is over and they
0: retire